turn to Matthew, the 25th chapter. We're going to start today at number three on well done. You know, we want to hear those words. Those words are in the Bible. You know, in the day and age we live, especially in the United States, our country really, for the most part, a lot of people are Bible illiterate. They're just illiterate to the Bible, uh, you know, because you can see on social media, you know, when, when somebody dies, what happens doesn't matter who the person was, it doesn't matter what, what they knew or believed, they'll just put on their rest in peace, or R.I.P., abbreviation for rest in peace. And like, you know, like everybody who dies is resting in peace. I know that sounds really cold, but sometimes reality is worth uh, looking at uh, because then it makes us live with purpose. Because if everybody that does die rests in peace, then then we have no work to do. But because our country... And really, the world in many senses is Bible illiterate, and they don't know what the Word of God says. They, some people think, well, just all roads lead to heaven. One time I was speaking for a guy in a church, and I thought, I'm, and, he, and I'm his guest speaker, and I thought, I'm going to throw this guy. You know, say something, and he knows I'm going to get up and preach, and then I'm going to say something, and he's going to go, oh, no. I can't let him get up if he believes like this. I said, as we were driving along, I just said, well, you know, all roads lead to heaven. And you could, the air just went, you know. I said, yeah, that's true. After I've studied the Bible, it's true. And, you know, and thankfully he kept his eyes on the road. I said, yeah, everybody will stand before the Lord. The problem is not do we all stand before him, do we go in? You know, all roads lead to before the Lord, but not all final destination is with the Lord. You know, because there is a time at the end of time when he will, will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and will all stand in judgment of God. Now, he's not going to judge believers, uh, were you good enough to get in? It, it will be, he'll look at people and say, did you receive Christ? Did you get born again? And then we'll receive rewards for what we did in our body, which is totally different. And so we need to realize this. All roads lead before God. But he did say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, and they'll be cast into outer darkness. And so we need to realize that that there's purpose in life that we're playing more for than just for uh, entertainment purposes in this life and personal enjoyment. We're playing, so to speak, uh, for the souls of men. I mean, that really is what life comes down to. I mean, I understand there's greater things, but at the bottom line, this is all about will people come and know the Lord, and then will they be made disciples? So we started a series three weeks ago called Well Done. From this verse here in Matthew 25, there are other scriptures like this in Luke. 
But we'll begin reading here, uh, Matthew 25, and it says in verse 22, and he also who had received two talents. This is Jesus talking here. And he said that these different people receive different talents, or maybe we would say abilities. And he who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. We could also say it like this. He gave responsibilities. He gave giftings. And he said, look, I have gained two more talents besides them. In other words, I did something with what I was giving, given by you, and what I was given by you, I got a return on it. I, I, I produced fruit. I, I, I doubled what you gave me. And then he said, the Lord said to him, well done, in verse 23, well done, good and faithful servant. So notice he, what, what, was he well, what was well done and what was faithful about it was he did something with the responsibility that he had. And so he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. You know, I think sometimes people want something really big to be faithful with. And sometimes it's just the small thing we need to be faithful with. But if people really knew this talent we're going to look at or this baseline that the Lord has given every person to do is uh, super valuable, important to him. He said, I will make you ruler over many things. And then he said, enter into the joy of the Lord. There is just something fulfilling about doing God's plan when we're on the earth. And I've said this it, because it lines up with Scripture. Many people want to know God's big plan for their life. What's the big thing? You know, but in all reality, there is a universal thing that every believer is called to. That is the starting point. It's like the foundation on a house. You really can't build up without getting the foundation right. I mean, we all know that. I mean, just if you have a kid who has real great potential... And you see them, they're little, and you're like, man, these, this kid's going to turn out to be something. But that kid doesn't learn the alphabet and doesn't learn uh, numbers and adding and subtracting. And even though they have extreme upside to them and potential, if they don't learn those things, they will be hindered the rest of their life. I mean, think how they could be taken advantage of. The cash register's out. They hand somebody a 20. It was $1.99. They should have got 1801 back. But they don't know, so somebody hands them two. Thank you. And walk out. Well, why were they taken advantage of? All of us are like, oh, that, yeah, that's the right math. That, that person shouldn't have taken $2. But anybody who doesn't have the fundamental thing down right can be taken advantage of. 
I mean, think about it. If you don't know the alphabet, it's going to be tough to read. And so there are some just real fundamental things in Christianity that really make the rest of it work. And if we miss it in this area, we could miss it in other areas. And we're trying to build, but we don't have a proper foundation. And so what is the Lord going to count people well done for? Well, things that are plainly in his will. And the principles of what we're talking about really can take you on to the further things of God. And so turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. So maybe a couple pages back or a push a button on your phone or a couple buttons. But so think about it. If, if that person knew what talents he had, then he did something with the talents he had and then he got a return on those talents, and God said, well done, then we need to know what he has given us to do so that we can hit that target, because if we don't know what the target is, we're just going to be shooting arrows or shooting bullets all over the place. And it might be fun to shoot a gun, but after a while, the bang kind of loses its whatever, and you want to hit something. I mean, isn't it, wouldn't it be something if there was like a gun range and they just let you shoot anywhere you want to and it's just dirt? Well, how exciting would that be? Wouldn't somebody after a while say, could we bring something to put out there? A bowling pin. Just put it out there and shoot at it? Or, or do we just shoot wherever? Shooting at first might be nice because shooting a gun, there's just something about it. I mean, I remember the first time I shot a gun. I, I, you know, you see the movies and they're all like this, you know, whatever, and, and it, there's nothing to it. So, you know, you got to do that. You got there. I remember the first time I shot a gun, I went, whoa, respect. I mean, respect. Like... You know, then I realized because it was an indoor range and the table had these bullet ricochets in the ceiling right above and the sidewalls. And I went, oh, people need help. These are not toys. This could be dangerous. But then after a while, you know, just shooting and boom, boom, you know, you, you want to see, can I hit the target? And, and we don't want to live our life just making noise and hearing this, bam, yeah, that was exciting. After a while, are we hitting the target? Am I hitting the target of life? Am I, am I hitting the thing that God is going to look at? You know, it, it's not up to me to determine the target at all. This is about divine destiny this is about God. Whether anybody participates or not in his plan, when we get before him, that's what will be important. Whether we knew it or not. Whether we stepped up and figured out what his plan was and his design, or looked in the scripture to see what he said, that will still be the target. And we won't be able to go, boy, I didn't know that. And he'll say, well, then that's okay. He, he won't. 
And so that's why we're sharing right here, what is the basic target that every person should be shooting for, so to speak, or everybody should be living unto. And so right here in Matthew 28, it's kind of one of our foundation scriptures, Jesus tells us what the target of life is, or the fundamental target of every believer. It's the starting point, and then these principles of of being pra- these principles being practiced will lead us into the greater things of God. Now, notice this: Matthew twenty-eight, verse eighteen, and Jesus came and spoke to them. He's died. He's risen from the dead, and uh, he's about to go into heaven and be caught up. And he came and spoke to them, and he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. In other words, we know from Scripture, when he died and rose again, he conquered the ability of the devil. He broke the devil's power. He stripped him of his authority. Where did he get that authority? When man originally sinned. Somebody might say, well, if his power's broken, uh, he's still doing a lot. But the key is this. Just because his power's been broken, he used to be able to run rampant. Now people who know the truth can exercise authority and learn to walk in victory. And so when Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, now think about it. He said, all authority has been given to me, and in a few sentences here, or a few verses, he's going to leave. But the thing he's saying here, all authority has been given to me, now I'm authorizing you to use my authority. And he goes on to say, go ye therefore. Notice he said, go, go, go. He didn't say, stay put. He said, go therefore and make, make. This, this means whatever he's going to tell us isn't automatic uh, because if he said, go make this, like, you know, like if you go to our cafe after service and you're like, I want this drink. And if you both just stand there and look at each other, whoa, whoa. And nobody turns around to do anything to make that drink. You're just both going to sit there and go, whoa. Whoa. And how many Christians have lived their life like, whoa. And he said, hey, make. Make. Hey, I'm coming over to your house today. What are you going to make for lunch? I'm not really coming. But if you're going to make something, you're like, well, I'm making cereal. Well, you're still going to do something. You're still, it needs to be Captain Crunch. You're still going to pour it into the bowl, and you're still going to be pouring milk on it, extra. And uh, you made Captain Crunch. You, You get what I'm saying? There's still a process to things. And when Jesus said here, Go therefore and make disciples, make disciples of all nations. What does it mean, all nations? It literally means all people groups. 
So you could say this in the United States, because we're like a melting pot, you know, you could make disciples of all nations right here. In our city, we could make disciples of all nations, all types of people groups. And so he said, make disciples of all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and into the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, make them, and then teach them. Make them, teach them. And in the making of them, he said, teach them to observe all things or literally observe to do all things I commanded you or command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In other words, God will work with us in this process of making disciples of all people groups. But notice who's responsible. If you read Mark 16, all believers have some responsibility in making disciples. And and it wouldn't take much, you know. I'm, you know, you know, don't have all these special degrees. But if I saw the word disciple, I would look in there and say, "Hey, there's a word hidden in there, like discipline. Like like discipline is in disciple." And and isn't it interesting when he said, "Make disciples." He said, you have to make them. Now, you can't force them, but you teach them. And what is it that you're teaching them? You're teaching them to observe or literally put in practice. A disciple is one who doesn't just hear, but puts into practice what they hear. So the starting point of a disciple is this. And we're all to be helping make disciples. Disciples are doers, not just hearers. There has come a place in the church where it's been like uh, connoisseurs of the Bible. Now, we don't practice it, but that was sure good today. And then there's some people who are like, you know, like it's like a... uh, you know, it's a meal that's given to them, and they're like, well, you know, I'm not too much into that right there. Put that off to the side. Oh, I'm on a diet. Not going to be eating that today. But when we hear the Word of God, you know, it's kind of like the Scripture that says, eat what's set before you. And when it's proper truth, we should eat what's set before us because it's good for us. It's good for us. Isn't that true? There are some foods that we may not like, but they're good for us. And there's probably some foods that we like that maybe aren't the best in nutritional value. Captain Crunch, for example. But it sure tastes good. You know, like one person said, be careful what moves you. You know, because some messages and some music moves you, but doesn't root you. And that is a huge thing. We want to be rooted, not just 
moved by stuff. We want to be moored or fixed and, and, and stable. And so the key of a disciple is, are we reaching other people individually? You know, Jesus lived a life like this. He lived a life of making disciples or trying to get disciples made. He taught this to his followers. He even, they even saw it in front of them. You know, there was a time in the Bible, in Matthew 9, where Jesus had prayed for the sick, and uh, he, he saw these people that got healed, and the people saw it. But then after seeing this miracle, and these miracles, he said, and the Bible, or Matthew wrote this, he said, Jesus was moved with compassion for the people. Well, he just met their need. Why in the world is he moved? Why is he moved with compassion? Did he just have like a little heart emoji thing pop up above his head? So oh, I love them. No, it, it said he was moved with compassion for them because they were sheep without a shepherd. They were people who didn't know the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. And even Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw. You know, one of the great things about being a disciple is letting our hearts move us toward a lost and dying world. Who, who's helping that person? Who's directing them toward the Lord? Oh, I'm afraid what they might think. They might hate you. And they might love you. But those results are not left up to us. And they're not left up to the Lord. They're left up to the individual. You know, one time a person, when the Lord or some people were hearing the Lord Jesus himself speak, they just kind of turned against what he had to say. And you know what the Lord said to him? He said, you count yourself unworthy. Of the kingdom. Jesus didn't say, I count you unworthy. He said, Because you reject it, you count yourself unworthy. But you know what? There's going to be people who will count themselves worthy. What do you mean, count yourself worthy? Well, they're going to recognize, I have a need. And we're going to present to them. Jesus is the answer. And they're going to count themselves worthy of the answer to their need and say, Jesus, be my Lord. And they'll receive him. But here's the thing. We don't just leave people who are lost alone and we don't just leave people that we leave to the Lord alone. It would be like, you know, you hear these horrible cases and I mean, it's so bad uh, that there are some areas, uh, I don't know if Arizona is one of the states where, you know, a person can literally have a baby and then go drop them off at a fire station or in a place. Just, just drop them off. But you hear other stories about people who just drop their baby somewhere. J just leave them. I mean, it's horrible, like in a dumpster. 
Anybody ever heard those stories? I mean, I'm not, okay, thank you. Because everybody's looking at me like, are you serious? Like I'm from another planet. No, it's planet Earth. And you hear these stories and you think, ah, oh, how many believe that would be a bad thing to leave a baby unsupervised? How many of you know that a baby could not take care of itself? Can't eat, can't defend itself. I mean, from the smallest things, the smallest elements of the earth, a baby can't defend itself. I mean, it's susceptible. I mean, if it's by a trash can, a little rat. I mean, a cat, a dog, anything. I mean, flies, J just whatever it is, it, that baby's defenseless because they need to grow. How much more a spiritual baby, too? The Bible said when a person gives their lives to the Lord, they're newborn babes in Christ. And we want to make disciples out of them. What is a disciple? One who learns how to practice what they have in the Lord and grow. But we really need to defend them and help them in that process. Amen? You get a little baby, it's not just the mom who's allowed to feed them, you know. Oh, no, give me the bottle. No, older siblings could feed the baby. They can even hold them. Amen? And here's the thing. That's why in the body of Christ, every person is supposed to help. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, we're jerking the baby. Here, come here, come here, come here. And everybody's trying to shove a bottle in its mouth. There's a little bit more to that. But the idea being that when Jesus said, make disciples of all people and then instruct them to observe all, all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you. In the context, I'm with you means he's going to help us do this. His spirit, his presence, his word, and his word first, then his spirit will help us. That's why we have children's church. That's why we have youth group. That's why we have home groups. That's why we have Sunday night. That's why we do lady stuff. Why we do men's stuff. Why we do kids stuff. Why? So people can learn. People can come into the kingdom. And then people can be about kingdom business. And, and learn how to live a different kind of life in this world. The world system is not the way. But kingdom business is the way. And it is the thing that will last forever. So he said, make disciples. So if we want to hit the target, I have to be a disciple, which means I'm going to have to hear, and then I'm going to need to put into practice. Are you with me? I'm going to need to put into practice these truths to start growing. And you understand this. When I talk to people... You're talking to people at all different ages with God. You know, don't get frustrated where you are. If you're growing with God, learn to forget the past. Just learn to forget the past and just keep growing. And, and here's the thing. You can only grow so fast. So you shouldn't condemn yourself. 
what you should do is just go, okay, I'm going to forget, like the Bible said, the things that are behind me, and I'm just going to press on. And I'm going to grow. And I'm going to walk with God. And I'm going to be a disciple, and I'm going to make a disciple. Turn with me to John 8, and we'll look at these verses, I believe, in, uh, in closing. But it's an interesting set of scriptures, and probably most Christians, if they've been in church any length of time, uh, or maybe in the Bible, have heard this verse, and maybe it uh, has stood out to you. But what we're talking about is making disciples, and the first thing is, is getting people saved. The next thing is, is getting them into the church under a shepherd. Jesus was moved with compassion because sheep didn't have a shepherd. Pastors are called shepherds. And so people need to be in God's uh, design in order for them to grow. They will hear things from God that way that will help them. And it's part of being a disciple. And so he said, make disciples. So, so what do I do? That means reach the lost and then encourage them in their commitment. Encourage them in following God. Encourage them in getting in the word of God. Encourage them to get baptized. You name it. And just get on the course. And, and right away, get them reaching other people. But notice this, John 8, 30. Jesus, in his ministry, was trying to get people to be disciples. And do you know that Jesus did not have 100% success? You know, I mean, he didn't, but he worked. And when people fell, like Peter, he worked to help him get back up and get going. What was he doing? He, he was making disciples. And, and notice this verse right here, verse 30. As he spoke, Jesus did these words, many believed in him. Many. Notice it didn't say everyone, but many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. So, so he's like, he's got people now who are starting to believe in him. And these people, uh, you know, are like, yeah, we're on board. We, we believe in you. And then he makes a statement. He said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, how many of you have heard that scripture? And we've heard it, and we think, oh, well, what he's saying is if I just keep reading the Bible, eventually I'll be free. But actually, that's not what he was saying. Amen. He wasn't saying that. He, he basically was telling them, more information is going to be coming to, to you. These guys. More information is going to come and more knowledge is going to come. And if you continue in my word, and the word continue there, literally implies you believe it, you accept it, and you act on it. Then you'll know or experience the truth. 
And that truth will make you free. Well, what was the truth that he was trying to get across to these guys? What was the truth Jesus was ultimately trying to get across to these religious people? Ready? Here's what it was. In the future, Jesus was going to die. Jesus was going to rise. And eternal life would be available to them. They could be born again. They couldn't get born again right here. Why could they not? Because nobody can get born again or could get born again until Jesus and died and rose again. Remember, born again, receiving the Lord, you have to confess with your mouth Him as your Lord and believe He died and rose again. See, He hadn't died and rose again. He hadn't become the sacrifice for sin. Now, people could have their sins covered in the Old Testament, but Jesus does more than cover your sins. He removes them. He takes them away. He gives a brand new spirit. And so he was saying here, if you continue on with me and continue believing, you're going to find out after I die and rise again that I am the payment. I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And when you accept that truth and accept me, because that's what a disciple is, a doer, he said, then you will be set free. You will become a child of God. Notice verse 33. So when we say you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Just a side thought, that principle uh, has an element of truth in it for an application for every believer. After I've given my life to the Lord, there can be some things, you know, that are dog in my path after I get saved. Condemnation, a sense of weakness, you know, a sense of, uh, of, of you know, something in my life. And I can continue on reading, gain more knowledge, act on that truth, and walk free from condemnation, or walk free from worry, or walk free from, you know, weakness in different areas. And so that principle does work, but what he was talking about is people coming to know the Lord. Because they're about to get in an argument, so to speak, with Jesus right here. Can you imagine Jesus, God in the flesh, is walking, and, and you have some people who start arguing with him? Argue with him. Look at this, verse 33. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say, you shall be made free? He just said, you'll be made free. They said, we don't need to be made free. We are free. And Jesus said, no, you're not. How many people that we meet that say, well, I've got all there is, and they don't have Jesus? And here, they ran, he himself ran across this. And they said, well, I have this other religion or this other way. And you know what's wild? They were talking to him that way. We have this other belief system. And he said, they answered him, we have Abraham, meaning he's the patriarch of the Jews. 
were Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we'll be made free? Verse 34, and Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. See, they had a natural heritage, but they didn't have a spiritual one. They had the wrong spiritual heritage. And he said, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. And then he went on, therefore, if the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. And they're saying, we're not, we're not bound. But how many of you know Jesus knows all angles? And if, you know, if somebody says something to us and we don't understand, don't just be overcome and go, oh, I guess those other people out there are right. Just slow down and talk to God and look in his word. and He can give you the right angle and you go, wait just a minute. This was the right way. This is the right way. Just because somebody presents something that looks good at first doesn't mean it is good. And they were saying, wait a minute, we're this. And so Jesus said in verse 37, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. In other words, they weren't accepting of him and what he was teaching. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. Uh, Jesus is about to nail it right here. I mean, this may sound like, oh, that's a neat thing, you know. What father was he talking about? Jesus was bold. We're his kids. He's our Lord. We can be bold. He said, I speak what I hear from my father, verse 38, and you... Do what you have seen with your father. Look at verse 39. They're recognizing. Remember at the beginning. Know the truth and the truth will make you free. There were not in bondage. We have this guy as our father. And Jesus is basically laying it out. You've got the wrong father. You need a right, the right father. But they had a religious way about them. Verse 39, and they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if Abraham's, if you were Abraham's children. Now earlier he said, you're, I know you're his offspring. Natural, but not spiritual. Because look what he said, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham but now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. In other words, if you were Abraham's truly his spiritual kids, you wouldn't do this. And he starts making these statements about what children hear and how children respond to what they hear. Notice verse 41. You do the deeds of your father. They said to him, We were not born of fornication, meaning illegitimate. We have one father, God. 
Isn't it interesting? They're arguing with Jesus. Aren't you glad Jesus knows? And he's trying to make disciples. Remember the whole context? If you continue on, you're going to have a new father. You could be born of him if you accept me. And then he lays it out. You have a religious system, but you don't know the Savior. You don't know me. And he's about to blow it off, blow them up and everything about their thinking. He said, verse 41, you do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we have one father, God. Jesus said in verse 32 or 42, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and came from God, nor have I come by myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my words. If you go back and slow down, he basically was saying, you guys are not hearing from the Father, you're hearing from from something false. You're hearing from the devil. Watch what he said. Verse 44, about listening. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? And he's about to tell them why they do what they do and who they listen to. He said, you are of your father, the devil. But they were religious. But they had like a natural descent, you know, you know, from this background. But the Bible said anyone who really receives Christ in Galatians 3, 29, anyone who receives Christ is Abraham's descendant. Now notice this. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer, and he, did, and he was a murderer from the beginning, and did not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. Now let me stop here. Basically what Jesus is saying is the only way in to the kingdom is to know him. To receive him. All other religious ways will not work. All good works will not work. There is nothing that will work. And notice what he said. This is the beginning part of the path of a disciple. Finding out that religious ways don't make it, only Jesus is the way. Now somebody might say, and maybe most of us in here, or maybe all of us in here say, well, I, I've received Christ then we have become a disciple. Now we need to make other disciples. And part of our responsibility is not just go, okay, cool, I'm saved, I've got my ticket to heaven. No, now what we do is we begin to practice and learn who we really are and what God's design for us is. A disciple is one who is self-disciplined in line with the word. What does a disciple do? Learns and grows and does, but also reaches the lost. 
is moved with compassion for those around. What, what moves us when we get around lost people? Man, they're acting like idiots. Why do that? Or, or do we think, ah, oh, I feel sorry for them. They need a savior. And we're, are we moved with compassion? I think if we would get past our heads as believers and see people who, for who they really are, we'd be moved with compassion. We wouldn't just think, why do they act like that? We would think, oh man, they need the Savior. And that should be something that moves us to reach people. Then when we've reached them, we want to teach them to observe. Follow on. Follow after. We want to be an encouragement to others. We don't want to put some kind of heavy load on them. We just want them to have a relationship with God. And here is one thing, if you'll go back and read there, not right now, but in John, Jesus basically said in that eighth chapter about making disciples is we hear from our Father. When we've given our lives to the Lord, God will start dealing with us. Now understand, that doesn't mean we're always listening or always doing, but he will start dealing with his own. That was one of the things Jesus was trying to get across to them. I hear from God. If you were from God, you would start being dealt with by God. Here's the big thing. God will deal with all of us. Sometimes people say, well, he's not dealing with me, and I know I'm saved then maybe what you should do is say, God, what did you ask of me last? What did you ask me to do last? You know, how many parents have said, hey, there's a piece of cake there, you can eat that, but before you do it, I just need you to do this. But if you don't do that, then you're just stuck without the cake. And you're like, man, why don't my parents talk to me? Why don't my parents talk to me? Well, they already told you what to do. And so sometimes, you know, we may not be hearing God in different times in our life. Some of it may be because we're going down the right path, but he'll still deal with us. And sometimes it can be because we, we just said, I, I, no, no, no. There's something freeing about in our life and freeing things up when we respond to him as believers. And I'm not talking about hearing voices. I'm talking about that still small dealing that happens in all of us who are his children. And that will launch your ship further with him. So make disciples and here's what you can do to help yourself. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. They said, when I first gave my life to the Lord, I was praying and the Lord dealt with me to reach these three people. And she, this person said she was praying the other day and the Lord reminded her that you went to these first two, but you never told this third one. Isn't it interesting how God can remind us of things like that? And I would say this, 
if we're to make disciples and reach the lost, maybe we should individually say, Lord, where is my opportunity? Who are my opportunities? You know, sometimes opportunities to us don't look good. Amen. You know, the Lord will deal with you. Now I want you to go talk to, uh-uh. You know that's a Bible verse? Uh-uh. When the Lord said, remember, there's a guy named Saul. He was wreaking havoc in the church. And God spoke to this guy, Ananias. He said, go, I want you to go pray for me. And he said, uh-uh. No. Nah, nah. And the Lord said, no, I want you to go talk to him. He's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name. Think about the, what he told Paul, told about Saul or Paul. He said he was a chosen vessel to bear my name. To bring the name of Jesus everywhere. To bring the name. To bear my name. To bring my name. And he said he's a chosen vessel. And he's like, Lord, I've heard about all these bad things he's done. And the Lord is having to talk him into it. And he's thinking, no, not that person. Don't you disqualify somebody God is trying to qualify. Don't disqualify people who God's been trying to reach. Just go, okay, God, this may seem weird. <laughs> uh, uh, I see many reasons, God. But obviously, God sees behind and beyond those reasons. And man, Ananias eventually went. And you know what's so wild? God had prepared Paul to hear Ananias. So when he showed up, he was ready. And you know, if God's dealing with you, he's already working on them. He's already working on your Ananias or whoever that you're supposed to reach.